0: before we do that i I want us to um I want us to take a moment this morning and remember that on this Memorial Day weekend, there's a good chance we have some veterans here in our midst, but also um, perhaps your family members or others that you know have served and even sacrifice their lives so that we could live here and enjoy this worship here and this sanctuary and all throughout our land. I'm so grateful for that. And I know that you are too. So um, if you're a veteran, if you've served in the military, um, go ahead and stand. We want to thank you for your service, and uh, we are grateful to you. Thank you so much. And let's... Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that we can come to this place and live in this land that sometimes we take for granted the freedoms that we have. And I know that we sometimes grumble a bit about some of the imperfections of our own nation, some of the hardships that we face, and some of the challenges that we're addressed with. But when we look around the world and we see the lives of others, and the bondage in which they live and the lack of freedom they have to express their faith. We are grateful to be here today. And we thank you for those who have given their time and some their lives so that we can enjoy that freedom that we have in this nation. We thank you for the founding fathers that established this country and has placed even upon our own money the word in God we trust. And as we are here today, we thank you We take a moment to give you praise and thanksgiving for this privilege that we have, and that we would never take it for granted. We thank you for that, most of all. In Christ's name, amen. All right, open uh, Bible to Revelation. Last week, we went through the first part of half of Revelation. Yes, you heard that right. We went through the whole first half of the book of Revelation. We're going through the second half today. We're going to begin in Revelation chapter 12. What we learned last week, it's kind of like, um, I don't know how many of you are fans of the TV series 24, but uh, they've started it up again, and so it always says previously on 24. So previously, last week, it was told that we are to read and to, we are to hear and we are to heed the words that are written in this book. To read it, to hear it, to heed it, which means we not need to know what's in it. Sometimes we avoid it because it seems to be so... Um, Mysterious to us, but it doesn't have to be that mysterious. We need to know what the book of Revelation has to say. It's really important that we do that. So, in the first uh, couple of chapters of Revelation, we talk about the past, we talk about the present, the church age, which many people think that we're in right now, which would be the second and third chapters basically of Revelation. Talks about the seven churches and uh, talks about the preparation. And there are many invitations in the book of Revelation to come to Jesus. The first invitation that we have is in Revelation 3, which would come actually before the, the, the rapture, the first invitation, which is the invitation that we're in in this day and age, in my view. And it's the famous line that we see here in, in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, where Jesus invites people to come. And he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, and opens the door, I will come into him, and he will dine with me, and he will he, and he with me. He who overcomes will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne. I also overcame and sat down my father on his on his throne. And so between chapter three and the beginning of verse four, we have what we know as the rapture. Jesus talked about it in Matthew 24. He said, You need to be ready. In first Corinthians 15, it says it's going to happen in the twinkling of an eye. In 1 Thessalonians 5, it says the day of the Lord would come just like a thief in the night. So we need to be ready, we need to be vigilant, because if you have come to faith in this time period right now, in this day and time right now that we are in, and the rapture comes after the chapter 3, then, then we, we are lifted up to heaven. Because what happens in starting in chapter 4 is what's going to happen in the future. And John on the island of Patmos is given a window, an opportunity. He's brought up to heaven. And then we see the beginning of the dismantling, the destruction, if you will, piece by piece of this earth. Because the wrath of God, the judgment of God is going to come in a seven year period of tribulation that's going to fall upon the land. Now in your handout that you got today, you'll see that. And that's where we're going to start today. And many other people take different views and so forth, but I have chosen to take this view because I believe that it lines out very well in this regard. So beginning in chapter 12, this is sort of the grand finale. We've had uh, the 144,000 Jews that have come down, they've, they've reaped a great harvest. During the tribulation, folks, people will come to Jesus. In fact, they'll come to Jesus by the thousands, by the multitude because of the witness of the 144,000 Jews from the 12 tribes of Israel, 12,000 per tribe, and then in addition to that witness, there's going to be two other witnesses that will come into Jerusalem, and they will scatter the word of God and the gospel of God around the world, but the hearts of the people will be hard, So there will be people during this tribulation period. Many thousands of people will come to Jesus during this time. But we enter into this time now where we would say as in, say uh, Revelation chapter 12 is where we're going to find ourselves starting today, and we see this interlude, this little moment here that sets this up, but it talks about what's going on, and it talks about a woman, talks about a dragon, it talks about a child, and the symbolism in chapter 12 has to do with the fact that the woman would be Israel, the people of Israel, out of which came the Messiah, Jesus Christ who is this male child, and then we see the red dragon, who we'd call Satan. Now, in the earlier chapters, I said that the abyss was opened up, and all the demons of of the underworld of the abyss were unleashed upon the world. Now, this sounds so supernatural to us and hard for us to believe, but it's not that far of a stretch. When we lived in Taiwan, they had a month that they called Ghost Month. And it was believed during Ghost Month that the hungry ghosts were released from the abyss. And for one month, they had a chance to roam around the world and snatch people and, 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 and wreak havoc for one month on the world. And so people in Taiwan actually put out um, offerings in front of their houses to entertain these hungry ghosts or these demons. And, and what they did was when they, were, when they would put out offerings in front of their house on tables to honor their ancestors... It was this. It was this wonderful food and these incense candles and things. But when it came to the demons of the of the abyss, what they put on those tables were alcohol, cigarettes. Uh, they put things out there that they thought that the demons that would help would enjoy entertaining themselves with, so that they would pass by their house. It was just fascinating to watch this. So anyway, what happens is, is these have been released. They're out and roaming across the earth. And as one pe- person said, there was just an infestation of, of demonic activity going on around the world at this time. And uh, the, the time was, was just, uh, uh, the, the, the deterioration of everything that was going on was starting to accelerate at this time. So these demons go up to heaven. And they want to torment the people that are in heaven. It says this in chapter 12. In fact, uh, as I read here, they face Michael and the angels of heaven. And it says in verse 7, it says, And there was war in heaven, Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels waged war, and they were not strong enough, and there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And so they were thrown down. And they were thrown down to the world, so the heaven had peace, and they no longer had an opportunity to go up and torment that place. But all of their activity now was going to be found here upon the earth with the people who were living here during this great time of tribulation, and they were accusing people, and they were they were just um, no longer all of that stuff in heaven. No longer came, but it says in verse uh, twelve of of chapter twelve, for. This reason rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, knowing that he has only a short time. So he knows his time is limited. So now he's going to wreak as much havoc as he possibly can upon the earth during this time of tribulation. It would not be a nice time to be here during that time. So then you go over to chapter 13, and people wonder, well, when is the Antichrist going to show up? Well, this is where the Antichrist shows up is in chapter 13 in Revelation. And what we know about the Antichrist, it says in in verse two uh, in chapter 13, I saw a beast coming out of the sea, having ten horns and seven heads and on his horns and so forth and so on. It goes on and on. And the dragon, this would be Satan, gave him his power and his throne and his great authority. And he had a fatal wound that was healed, and the whole earth was amazed, and they followed after the beast. So now the world being lost and being in this tribulation, instead of worshiping the one true God, they find themselves chasing after and worshiping and looking at this antichrist beast, and along comes a cohort. So this beast, it says this beast comes out of the sea, and the cohort comes out of the earth, and so this cohort is also performing miracles and false teachings and pointing to the Antichrist. And so all of the direction of people's attention is being focused upon these these, uh, uh, powerful forces, these powerful individuals who the world is beginning to seek and find because the world is unraveling. And as the world is unraveling, people are looking for answers. And this Antichrist and this cohort seem to have some power and some miraculous ability, and so their allegiance and their loyalties are shifted over to these individuals, the Antichrist and his cohort. And then it says, out of that then, they begin to take control of the people that dwell on earth. And as they take control of the people that dwell on earth, it says in verse 16 uh, of chapter 13, and he causes all the small and the great and the rich and the poor and the free men and the slaves to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And with that mark on their forehead or on their right hand, they could buy and sell, they could do economics. If you did not have that mark, you were marked in another way. You were marked for persecution and destruction. Without that mark, you could not buy and sell. They took control of the world, and it says the number that is... uh, Uh, of this is the number 666 you've heard that number before you 666 that's where this comes into play right here so you have this in play now and they're getting allegiance and loyalty all of it's drawing to them people are 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 desperate for their lives for for the economy to be taken care of don't we compromise so much to be taken care of we can sometimes throw ourselves and our allegiance to those who would take care of us when we make all these compromises to the point where we might even leave God, the one true God, to be taken care of by somebody else because we're so desperate. These people that were believers at this time, in this time, were were strong, they were committed, but they were putting their very lives at risk every single day because all of a sudden, the world had turned and it became a hostile place for anybody that had followed Jesus Christ. So now you have all of that going on. In chapters 15 and 16, the next thing that we see happening is we see a new wave of of judgment poured out upon the earth out of heaven. The activity of heaven, the activity of heaven affects the activities on earth. That makes sense. So we see this next big picture of what's coming And while everything is starting to come back in order under the Antichrist and his cohort and all the marks on these people and so forth and so on and these economics going on for them, then we go back and we get a scene in heaven and uh, you see these seven plagues. In chapter 15, verse 1, it talks about this. It says, seven angels who had seven plagues, which are the last because in them the wrath of God is finished." This is the grand finale, folks. This is the final one right here. It says, the wrath of God will be finished at this time. So just as all this loyalty and these choices are being made, it's called the, these six bowls of wrath come out. And these bowls of wrath are cumulative. It means that they don't happen and then they go away. It means that they start adding up and they start piling up in this period of time on our earth right here. And the destruction of the earth is beginning to pour out. In the first half last week that I talked about, there were seven seals, and there was uh, the seventh seal, and they talked about the fact that in this period of time, a third of the vegetation, a third of the, of the sea, a third of the fresh water, and a third of the world's people would all be, come underneath this curse. So the the curse of vegetation, the curse of the sea where the sea creatures die, the curse of fresh water, that it becomes putrid, and a third of the people die across the earth. Now what we see in this bowl being poured out, this is coming across everybody, not just a third, but the whole world. And in this period of time, it says everything on, on earth and people is being destroyed, God is dismantling the earth and the world and the people who live in it. This sounds just awful. Why would he do that? This is his judgment, his wrath that has been stored up for thousands upon thousands of years, stored up, waiting patiently for the people of this earth that he loves so much and that he gave his son Jesus Christ for, to turn to him. And perhaps even in the midst of this final pouring out of wrath, he's hoping there will be some people who will turn to him out of this because of the misery and what he's bringing down upon them. So the first bowl of wrath, and they accumulate, are sores. It says, you know, you read each of these. It says in in verse 2, The first angel went and poured out his bowl into the earth, and it became a loathsome, a malignant sore upon the men who had the mark of the beast and who worshipped his image. So here you go. Those who put the mark on their forehead or on their hands to protect themselves and to give their alliance to the beast, thought they were saving themselves. And instead now, who is this falling upon? This wrath now that's going to pour out is going to fall upon them, those who gave their allegiance in the wrong direction and who tried to save themselves by putting the mark of the beast on their forehead or upon their their hand. The second angel poured out his bowl, and it became blood like that of a dead man. And every living thing in the sea died. Can you imagine that? Not just a third. Now it's the whole sea. Every living thing in the sea died. The third angel poured out his bowl. And the springs of waters became blood. All the fresh water across the world. Uh, the rivers and the, the fresh water and the springs turned to blood. And then it says the third angel into the rivers and the spring. That was the third. I'm sorry. The fourth angel. Poured out his bowl upon the sun, and it had, and and the sun then came and scorched man with fire. So the sun now was scorching people. So you have the sores, and and you have the 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 death of the sea, and you have the death of the fresh water, and now you have the sun uh, just out of control, scorching men with fire. And uh, and then here's the most important thing that I see in verse nine. It says. And men were scorched with fierce heat and they blasphemed, the, they blasphemed the name of God who has the power over these plagues and they did not repent so as to give him glory. They, instead of turning to God out of this, became even more upset and angry at God and turned against him. Now that makes sense sometimes, doesn't it? When we have something bad starting to happen to us, who do we blame? We blame God. God is not the one to blame. God is the one we're to turn to in our adversities and our challenges and our trials and our tribulations. And the fifth angel poured out his bowl upon the throne of the beast and his kingdom became darkened and they gnawed their tongues because of pain and they blasphemed him, the God of heaven and they did not repent of their deeds. So now it's coming down on this Antichrist and his cohort and all of his kingdom. And the sixth angel poured out his bowl upon the great river Euphrates. And again, all of this taking place. And then we have the great battle of Armageddon taking place in the plains of Armageddon. One week from today, 14 from Gunnison will fly, including Lynn and I, to, to Israel. And we'll have a chance to overlook this, this plain called Armageddon. When, when um, Napoleon saw it, he thought it was the greatest battlefield he, uh, potential battlefield that he would ever see in his life. And um, then the seventh bowl, which is the last one that was poured out, in this uh, group of uh, cumulative total of seven bowls, just continued on and on. And it was hailstones, the seventh one. If you go down in chapter 16, verse 21, it says this. And huge hailstones, about 100 pounds each, came down from heaven upon men, and men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, because its plague was extremely severe. So here they are. Everybody down here still shaking their fists at God and all these plagues coming through, not making the connection that they were responsible for bringing this calamity down upon themselves for not giving their alliance and allegiance to God. And so God is taking things and he is bringing judgment and he is destroying and people are going, alas, alas, and whoa, whoa, whoa. And then we have this uh, description of the doom of Babylon and uh, in chapter 17, it talks about this, this person on a horse. And upon her forehead, a name was written, a mystery. Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood and the witnesses of Jesus. Verse uh, 6, verse 5 and 6. And here's this, this destroying force that went and, s- and destroyed the believers of God. And here she was on this. Now, we, we start getting things turned around because we're going to get to the victory of the Lamb. Because, see, the party on earth is over. They had enjoyed their great times of frivolity and harlotry and immorality and all the things they had done. They thought that they were so in control and the believers of God had been persecuted and and killed and destroyed for their faith, and it had become a hostile place for them. And, um, but now what we see is a total collapse of everything that's going on around the earth. Imagine the economies at this point, what was happening. Where could anybody go for fresh water, for food, for anything at this point? The work, The world that God created and said was good is being dismantled, it's being ripped apart, it's being shredded, it's being destroyed. Everything about it across the earth, including the people with it. Not a very pretty picture. Not a very great time. So what I'd like for us to do now is go to chapter 19, verses 1 through 6. Because what's happening here is the party is over. The kings of the earth who committed acts of immorality and who lives sensuously with with this harlot will weep and lament over her when they see the smoke of her burning and the destruction of her. And all of a sudden they're going to realize things are over. It's done. But something else is going on. Now we're getting to heaven, and we're going to bring this verse up, chapter 19, verses 1 through 6. Let's with, this is called the fourfold hallelujah, fourfold hallelujah of heaven. After this, I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. That's the first one. For true and just are his judgments. He has condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He has avenged on her the blood of his servants. And, then, and again they shouted, second one, hallelujah, the smoke from her goes up forever and ever. The 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who was seated on the throne and they cried again, amen, Hallelujah. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, both small and great. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. God is glorified, and he reigns. And he will hold no others Beside himself. And here now, heaven is starting to take back over. And they've judged, they've given people an opportunity to turn. Instead of turning, they shook their fist at God. They hardened their hearts to him. And now what we see is the doom of the Antichrist and of the false prophet. Chapter 19, verse 20, it says this. And the beast was seized, and with him the false prophet who performed the signs in his presence by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image, these two were thrown alive into the lake of fire, which burns with brimstone. They've been bound up, and Jesus and the angels, and we have the establishment on your outline, you have to look at this, called the thousand-year reign of Christ. The thousand-year reign of Christ. Then in chapter 21, you see the the reference to the great uh, throne of God. Chapter 20, I'm sorry, verse 11, it talks about the great white throne judgment of God. And then now, all that destruction is gone. And now what? It's time for a new Jerusalem. It's time for a a new earth. And so we're going to read that in chapter 21. Let's read this here. Let's read through this section here. And this This is the recreation of the earth after it had been dismantled, shredded, taken apart, people died, scorched earth policy. Look what God's going to do right here. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will bless. They will be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who has seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of He who overcomes will inherit all this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. So there it is. That's how it all ends up. And as we saw in that video, Jesus holds that hand out for us as an invitation. He holds it out to us. You know, and there's still one last invitation that's being offered to people. And that comes in Revelation chapter 22. We're going to bring that up for you as well, starting at verse 16. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. Whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds anything to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes words away from this book of prophecy, God will take away from him his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. That's how... It all plays out. I don't know the when, but we have a listing here of what's going to come. I don't know when Jesus is coming. He said, no man knows the hour or the day. But for us who are alive today, in this time, in this age, We are being called and invited to be a part of his family, to be in his kingdom, to be with him forever, to be part of that great group of people in heaven. And you will see and experience some of these things that are written in Revelation, but you won't experience it here on earth if you've given your life to Jesus instead of shaking your fist at God. You've given your heart to him. You are a believer in Christ. You'll be up here where you'll be able to see all this transpire in eternity. So you will witness it, but you won't witness it from earth. You're going to witness what's taking place from heaven. And you will be amazed at all of that. One day we'll all be up there together, all of us together. Did John just write a bunch of words here? Was he just having an out-of-body hallucinogenic experience? I don't believe so. Folks, you can't make this stuff up. He was recording what God was revealing to him about what was to come. As a testimony to all of us, are alive today and I pray that we'll all be ready let's pray Lord we thank you for this witness and this testimony that you gave to John that we might know how all of this comes to an end today we have a new sense of gratitude for our salvation but also our own sense of concern about those who walk this earth today who have not turned to Jesus Christ for salvation. Lord, help us have this sense of urgency about what is to come. In Jesus' name, amen. We have an interesting song to close today. It's a good one we haven't sung in a long time. It seemed appropriate to me. Let's stand up. It's called Soon and Very Soon. We're going to see the King. Amen. <laughs> soon and very soon. our square circle that we have here at Community Church. We'll just have a little quick sharing time. (laughs) We're glad to have everybody here. I know we have some guests with us today. Thank you for being here today. We uh, are glad to have you worship with us on this Sunday here at Community Church. Um... We use this time right now to get some uh, joys and concerns shared. Uh, Jenny Lane, our uh, college and uh, young adult minister here at the church, had a stem cell therapy for her MS uh, this past week in Santa Monica, and she's over uh, in Fort Collins now, and Jason's over there with her today. So we want to pray for effectiveness for that healing. Paul Sammons is going in for a uh, heart catheterization on Wednesday. More than likely, he's got some blockage there in his heart. He's been through an awful lot, back pain and all the rest. So we want to keep him in our prayers. Someone else have something to share? Gerald? My mother-in-law, Eleanor Bunker, who is 96, has uh, been living in the Willows for a number of years. And she uh, uh, cracked her tailbone and uh, severe pain and everything else that with it. And uh, they kept her in the hospital for a few days. Okay. Uh, and, uh, to try to Thank you. Yeah. Anybody that's had that happen to them, I think a few did around this, this circle here. They just went, oh. Yeah. Actually, it was her sacrum, which is the big bone, not the tailbone. Okay. Well, anyway, <laughs> we kind of have an idea. Thank you, Kathy. Somebody else? Anybody have something to share? Hey, Mark, where's Mark? Mark, still binder. Mark, where are you? Mark, thanks for the music today. I know those were testimony songs about how God has changed your life. And really, I appreciate that. Thank you, Patty. Yes. Is Paul still going to Israel? No. no, no. He's not going. Uh, he canceled on that quite a while. Oh. Because of his back. All right. Thank you all. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face to you and give you peace today and forever. Amen. Sing hallelujah. Thank you. Thanks for singing this morning, yeah. girls. You look nice. You color coordinated I know, your day. It that had to be planned. No, no way. We didn't even talk to look at these. That had I just thought.